Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Experience Creators. I am so excited that you have joined us. My name is Caroline Maley and I'm your host. And today it is my absolute pleasure to introduce you to our next guest, Lindsay Miller. Lindsay is a rock star of a CEO and she is currently the CEO and founder of Reverie, an incredible consulting firm of organizational development specialists working with small businesses. She is also an official member of Forbes Coaches Council. And today we are going to talk about company culture and employee experience as it pertains to small businesses. So if that is you, if that sounds like something that you're interested in, that you can learn from, that you can find valuable, then without further ado, let's dive into the interview. All right, Lindsay, welcome to the Experience Creators. It is such a pleasure and an honor to have you on the premiere month. So I'm very, very excited to have you here and to get into things in the next 30 minutes or so. Thank Bye. you. I'm so excited to be here. All right, let's 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 dive straight in. And from your point of view, what are the elements that make up an incredible experience, an experience that you are going to remember until the end of time? I, so I love this topic. As you know, we've had a lot of conversation about it. And uh, I really respect your work in this area. You are such an expert here. So it's just, it's fun to have these conversations with you. Um, I think that for me, when I think about experience, especially in the workplace, right, comes down to community. Everybody wants to belong to something somewhere. So when you think of like really great sports teams or, you know, um, like experiential things for people, they, they are a fan of whatever that is. They've got merchandise, they've got the colors, they've got, you know, maybe um, whatever that brand or that symbol, they've got so many things that they can hold on to that are super tangible and it creates a feeling within them. And Honestly, I feel like that's something that I've been focused on so much in my career when looking at the workplace is how do we create something that makes these just like crazy fans out of our clients and out of our employees. And, um, you know, I think there's just so much to be learned from these other industries and in how they create an experience for their fans. So yeah. I'm just, I love this topic. I love that. And, and, you know, one of the exercises that I go through with my clients, no matter who they serve, whether it's a live experience of, I mean, not so much now live experience, but virtual experience, no matter who their, their target audience is, but writing down how they want their, this cohort to feel once they've gone through that experience. And then using those maybe three to five adjectives and, and, and emotion words to actually guide how they're creating the experience. So the end goal isn't, isn't uh, you know that big event and and the the kind of metric feedback that you get from that, but it's how do you make them feel? You know, what is the look on their face as they as they walk away from that experience? You know, what is the energy like, and how do they speak about that experience to their friends, families, and and beyond? Because that is ultimately what's going to impact them the most, and what's going to create loyalty and awareness for for what you're doing. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think what you were just talking about goes back to what I was saying about community that I didn't really, <laughs> didn't really expand on, but everybody 
wants to feel something. Otherwise the experience isn't memorable. And then on top of it, the way that you create memories is to think about what your experience was like and how you felt with the people that were experiencing it with you. You know, and I know that there are a lot of really great things that people can do for solo engagement. So solo travel, for example, but even then there's always interaction. Even if that interaction is with strangers, you're creating a feeling and an experience with someone who's engaging with either your restaurant or your company or whatever. And then they're going to take those memories based on the community that they felt part of. So yeah, I absolutely agree with you. 100%. Yeah, I, love, I love that analogy. I'm a solo traveler. I don't like traveling with people at all, but the most memorable moments are exactly what you said is those interactions that I have with locals learning about their story you know um, unexpected interactions I think is the biggest thing and those are the me- those are the biggest memories that I have for sure so um, you work particularly in experiences within organizations so can you share a little bit about you know what your background is and what what you do yeah so um I have a background specifically in um, small business. So I have some, I have a good amount of corporate experience as well. But once I went down that small business path, it was like instant connection, you know, love at first sight. And it was never my plan. I always thought I was a corporate girl, but once I got a taste of small business and how amazing the people are behind them and how hard they work and what goes into them. And I was raised in small business. My, both of my parents were small business owners. So, you know, it's, I've kind of had small business in different pockets of my life, but I've always had a focus on the people. So when I did my MBA, I, I focused in human resources because I've always felt that however engaged the people are, is going to dictate the success of the organization at any level. I mean, any size, even if you are just, you know, a one, a one person operation, your level of engagement and dedication to your work is going to determine the outcomes of your business at the end of the year. So that's always been a really big focus of mine. I've taught college courses that were all in communication. So various types of communication. And I really feel that um, what I do is I work with small business leaders. Uh, I take the experience that I have uh, being a past leader of uh, an organization that had tremendous growth, which was one of the most fun things of my career. And I just share those experiences with them. And I try to give them a, a point of view of, okay, let's think about your future self. And how can we take a look at what your future self is wanting and produce that in the present and share some of those pieces? Because it's kind of like, it's kind of like almost like since we're in the holiday timeframe, it's kind of like the ghost of Christmas future where it's like, I've been through a lot of these experiences. So I want to take what I know, bring them back to the present and work with people. And a big piece of that is just how you communicate to your employees and to your clients. Communication is so huge and so powerful. And so yeah, go ahead. No, and I just wanted to know, and the company that you've built now, what are the kind of things, who are the kind of clients that you work with? Yeah, so 
Uh, right in uh, the end of 2020, we built a company called Reverie. And we are organizational development specialists. We're consultants. And um, one, of the, one of my favorite things about what we do is when you hear consultant, a lot of times I think you imagine either a, like reduction in workforce or cutting costs right. or things like that. Because that's, you know, that, that's pretty typical of what consultants do. Um, but that's really not what we do. We, our niche is small business and small to medium-sized business. So what we do is we go in and work alongside a business owner and we help them identify what's going on in their business. Do they need to grow? Do they need to break a plateau? Do they need to pivot? Does something need to change? Are they going through some kind of major transition? We really just saddle up and partner up with them. We get to know their whole team and we don't just deliver you know, like an outline of here's what we think you should do based on our findings. We actually stay there and help implement it so that we, and then we help train them. And so what our goal is, is to take some of these really big things and help integrate them into the culture that they already have without disrupting it. So we look to be culture enhancers rather than coming in and flipping it completely and twisting the culture. Because a lot of times what you find in small business is there's quite a bit of, of, you know, that family feel that they really don't want to have it disrupted, you know, and we understand that we appreciate that. So Reverie goes in to really partner, find what they're really, really good at, help them do more of that, and then help them figure out how to balance out some of the things that either they don't, they don't do quite yet, or they're unsure of how to do and put some of those, those things in, put those processes in. And what are the, what's the employee uh, size that you work with generally, the teams? So that's a great question because we have teams of all different sizes, okay. um, but our average is usually somewhere between 30 and 40 employees. Okay. Um, but I'm really excited because one of the things that we found is we've been on this adventure for a year now yeah. is that there are quite a few of... Um, of what we call micro businesses that exist within small business within that category. And they, the micro business kind of just gets lumped into the small business group and they're really, really underserved population. And a micro business is really someone that's got anywhere from like one to six employees um, and does, you know, a little, probably a little over a million in revenue or under, but not much more. Um, Cause then you start getting into the real small business category. And we had so many micro business owners coming to us. We just didn't have, you know, resources or services. We're getting ready to launch in January because we right. want to solve the problem. So we're launching Rev, which is going to be um, a consulting platform in a group format for micro business owners, because so much of what we were talking about before with community, a lot of times the micro business owner does not have that same level of community or resource exposure as even a small business or mid-sized business. So we're going to solve that problem. And I'm really excited to do it. Yeah. Every time you, you speak about that program, I get really excited as well. But I mean, there is such a huge difference between 
a, a, a six man team, a six woman team, as opposed to a staff of 40 employees, like 40 employees is still a lot of employees, right? So there, yeah, there is a huge spectrum. Um, the companies that you're working with, what, when you go in and you look at the ex employee experience that they, that, that, that is their current reality, what do you see as potentially the gaps that are there, some trends of, of both maybe negative and positive traits? Like, what do you see in terms of the potential of the employee experience that's already there in place? So usually when we go in, um, at least with the clients that we really work well with, there's already a great culture in place, okay. you know? Um, and when I say culture, you know, I, I just mean they're working so hard in small business, you know? Like mm -hmm. it really is sweat, blood and tears. And when they have great people on their team. And a lot of times we go in and we just fall in love with our clients and their teams because these are such great people and they work so hard and they want the best experience for the people that they are serving. And so when we get there, that is always like the heart of the organization, right? But one of the challenges is, is when you're working that hard and you're moving that fast to try to provide this high level, amazing experience and remain competitive, um, communication gets lost, you know, and, and, you know, it's like, so one of the things that I've held on to from talking with you is you're, you're such a thought leader on micro moments, you know, like those, those little opportunities that you have. And when you're going too fast, if you haven't really sat and thought about it and prepared that ahead of time and made that part of your strategy, those are lost. Those are completely lost. And those are the little defining moments that are going to make or break an experience. And so though everyone feels the experience is amazing, and I'm sure that it is, that's one of the big areas where we know that when we go in right away, that we can start looking for some of those just little gaps in communication or planning due to the speed that everyone is running. Yeah, I, I totally am on the same page with you in that, even from the point of view of, you know, I've worked for companies before where they, they put across this incredible vision about their, their employees and their teams. And, you know, they, they, they preach this incredible culture, which a lot of time does exist. But then when you're actually physically working there on a day-to-day -day basis, you don't get that same feeling. You get the same feeling when you're in that meeting or you're in that presentation and you're like, yeah, this is what we're all working towards, this incredible vision. Yeah. But on a day-to-day -day basis, I think, I, I think a lot of times that doesn't actually materialize for, this, for the reason that you're saying is that there's moments throughout the day that really are going to compound could be good or bad but they're going to compound and result in in some form of an impact for each individual employee right so creating yeah um, micro moments are just incredibly important but like you said it is not a common thought like oh let's create as many opportunities as possible today for some micro moments for for our employees it's not I mean, that's why that's, you know, why I talk about it a lot, because I feel that 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 communication format, even that conversation is is quite rare and uh, it is. But it is very, very powerful if it's executed on. And so what are the strategies that you're using to collect your data to get to get the feel of the company? Are you having 
are you having conversations with like all the employees and all the management or how do you go about actually starting that process with them? Yeah. So yes and yes and yes. We <laughs> are, um, we will start off by talking with the ownership or the leadership. A lot of times it's, you know, an owner occupied company that we're working with. So, um, and we talk to all of the key stakeholders first, just to get an idea of what they feel is, you know, maybe going on and what they're really looking for in wanting to engage with us. And from there, um, we, you know, we do surveys and we do a pretty big launch, like kickoff meeting where we go in and we meet everybody. Um, because, you know, one of the things that like, you know, when you, when you know what's going on in your mind and you know, you're there to help make everyone's world better and more exciting that you don't even stop to think about the fact that maybe they're afraid of you and why you're there. Mm -hmm. So we learned that very early on that we needed to come in and help them feel comfortable talking to us. Um, Cause you're a consultant, so right? <laughs> yes. Yes. And remember consultants reduce you know, a reduced. I, I actually had a huge aversion to calling myself a, a consultant. I don't anymore. But, uh, like I did not want to call myself a consultant because for me, it had like a, a bit of a negative connotation to it or a, I don't know, maybe negative is not the right word, but it wasn't the vibe that I wanted to go for. So yeah, yeah. it's interesting that you bring that up. Suspect, right? <laughs> so, but we have to, we, then we go through and we do interviews, but throughout the whole process, we work very closely with anyone who's you know involved in the project um and depending on the size of the team that could be a handful of them or it could be all of them and so it's important to us to build that relationship so that we can make sure what we don't want to do is get surface level answers and start solving for those problems when we all know the problems actually exist like down here off camera um, they're very they go deep and so we know that it's going to take us a couple of times to get to where the problem is actually existing. So we do a lot of interviews, surveys, meetings, and just try and get as much face-to-face -face time as we possibly can. And I, I would assume just from my own experience that there's probably quite a bit of a difference between conversations or, or uh, perceptions from like the management team and then employees, right? And then you're kind of in there to maybe bridge that gap, to kind of align the two and that leads there's a question that I really really wanted to ask you today which is a perfect segue from that that point I think oftentimes we think about leadership culture of an organization and potentially we think about the the leadership team the executive team uh, and then we think about employee experience so you have your leadership experience employee experience oftentimes we think about them as quite separate, you know, two different areas of the business that need to potentially be looked at. Um, of course, in fact, they're, they're all one, the employee experience is the one, is, is the overarching theme here. And we all have to be leaders in some way for us to be able to create an employee experience for every single person in the team. So I'd love to get your, your take on that, that, that real disparity, that gap between the, the leadership culture and the employee culture, and then maybe an example of how you're kind of trying to bridge that gap and, and bring that together. Yes. So I love that you bring this up because that exists everywhere. So, um, and again, it comes, it comes down to communication. Like I'm going to sound like a broken record, but a lot of times there's questions of transparency. 
right? So you'll hear a lot of people, and I feel like this was like a really popular theme for a while um, in the last probably five to 10 years where everyone is like, open the books, let's be super transparent. And I think that um, in some cases, that's an excellent decision. And that makes so much sense. But I also think that sometimes a level of transparency that's too high can be quite burdensome to the employees. So, and, and, you know, again, I want to, I want to just remember that we're talking about experience, right? So like, if I was talking about a different topic, I might say transparency is the only way to go. But when it comes to experience and that, that difference between leadership and employee cultures, I personally feel that there's this big, huge gray area and then trying to fill it in is really a question of what level of transparency. And the reason why sometimes I think transparency can be burdensome is if you are, for example, in a company where you're really struggling and you put all of the struggles down to a group that really has no ability to impact it, to control it, to do anything, depending on what the struggle is, that produces just a level of anxiety and fear and sometimes, you know, despair where then they feel like there's nothing they can do or they're, you know, like they're, they're being put in a position where um, they, they truly don't have control over their work environment. And it's a scary one. So there's that. But then I think on a much simpler level, there's also, you know, when you're in a leadership role, you want so badly to believe that everything you're doing is amazing. Right. Because you need to, because you work so hard. But, you know, in, in your mind, you're making decisions that a lot of times you have, you don't recognize the bias in your decision making. And you assume decisions that you're making are wonderful across the board. And so if you're not truly hearing what that employee culture is saying up and commuting down, and then, you know, allowing for a two-way communication to happen, you could be making all of these amazing decisions and doing what you think is this wonderful thing for culture, you're totally missing the mark. And a lot of times these are not big things either that people are looking for. These are really small things. And it goes back to what you talk about all the time when we talk again about micro moments is people are really looking just for small things to be engaged and to be happy. And it's just really amazing that a lot of times that mark is missed. And it's nice because it's easy to fix. Right. Yes. And I would, I would add to that also, um, that, that employees also want to have their reality understood. I've, for the most part, for my entire career, have worked in companies where the head office is not in the same country as mine, whether it's been retail, whether it's been events, whether it's been entertainment, whether it's been travel. And I have all, no matter where I have worked, I have always found a huge gap in what we know as to be the reality Mm-hmm. on the forefront on the ground and what mm-hmm. our head office believe actually happens and because the decisions are coming from there oftentimes it is incredibly frustrating because we don't feel that they understand our reality and then on the flip side of that they think that we're ignoring everything that that they're asking us to do because we don't want to do it because we don't believe that that has any place in it's not going to be effective it's not going to work at all because it has not been a discussion it's been a decision across two different parties that 
there's not a common ground of understanding of what is the reality of the experience in between those two. So have you come across that? And, and, and is it really, I mean, from my point of view, it's really exactly what you were saying about communication. It's like, how can we sit down? How can you better understand what we're doing? How can, how can you see where, where we're trying to make these decisions and, and maybe how can we have different kinds of conversations and ask different questions so that we can now be in a more kind of supportive and collaborative environment? Absolutely. I, you know, a long time ago, um, I saw a company that, um, and I think the reason why I'm bringing this up is I think that this is pretty across the board. Um, I think it's pretty common for companies to really put a lot of energy into understanding what the client wants. And so the company drives like a client or a customer culture and they build this, this amazing experience for customers and clients. And they really pay attention when something comes through about what they're not liking or what they need and spend a lot of time thinking about it and tweaking it and marketing to it. Um, and I think that there's very little time um, and dedication to given to the employee experience. So, you know, like every once in a while, you'll see a company that does, you know, a survey of the employee experience or, you know, has a feedback form that is actually very useful. Um, but even then, a lot of times, because we are so busy focusing on that client and customer experience slash culture, you get caught up in it and you just don't have a lot of times it's not, um, you know, it's, it's, and I can't say that ever has been anyone that I've worked with who's ever said, I don't care how my employees feel. I don't want them to be happy here. They don't feel like that. Of course. I'm, and I'm sure you wouldn't want to work with someone no, like that. Either. That would not be our key client. No. <laughs> no. I don't know how but, they would be in business, to be honest, if that was their <laughs> mentality. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So it comes down to time because you're dedicating so much of your time and resources to one area that even a small shift in attention to the employee culture, because all of so like culture, this big, huge macro version of culture, right? You've got a lot of these little subcultures that exist within one organization. So you can have one group that's like thrilled and it's amazing and they love it. And then another little group or department where their subculture is in ruins. And so just being able to have your finger on the pulse and in small business, it's hard because big, huge companies, a lot of times have departments dedicated to that. Small businesses, they don't, that's a luxury that they just don't have. So trying to put something in there where there's a process that people are just dedicated to so that as you're going through the speed of your day, you are thinking about it more than you would be. And you are taking a little bit of your time out to dedicate to the employee culture. It's huge. Uh, I would like to talk about, the last thing we would like to talk about is onboarding because I have been in companies that have done the most incredible onboarding experiences ever. To the point where I was like, this is too much. But in hindsight, it definitely wasn't. And it was incredible. And then conversely, companies that I've just kind of been like thrown in and been like, okay, figure it out. See you, bye. 
And so I've, I feel like I've experienced as an employee, the, the entire spectrum. And, you know, I, I, the, the teams that I love to work with the most are very short-term teams. So they could be seasonal teams. They could be smaller event style teams. Um, they could be there just for one week. They could be there for three months because onboarding, that's usually when the break in onboarding happens because everything's so quick and we don't have enough time. And just, just, you just need to be good like now. And, you know, when I worked at Cirque du Soleil, we, we only had our teams for two months. So my onboarding involved a two to three hour training. And then we would have the premiere of the show that evening. So it was an incredibly quick transition. And I had to find the most effective way to get them ready from a skill set point of view, which that was probably the easier part, but from a mindset vision point of view, how I want the experience to actually roll out. So when you're going into these companies, what, what are you finding in terms of the onboarding experiences? Do you find, are you finding a lot of trends in, oh, you know, like it's not really a priority. We don't, you know, they'll, they'll figure it out. Or are you finding that because they're a smaller business and the team is smaller, that there's actually a lot more intentionality and there's a lot more time given to that part of the employee experience? I'm so glad you asked me this question because if I had to pick, I think that building onboarding process is my absolute favorite project that I ever get to work on. Yeah, me too, actually. That's really, yeah, that's not it. <laughs> because it's so important. Yeah. And so to answer your question, yes, you hit the nail on the head with everything that you said. When you're a smaller company, you have time to be able to dedicate to each person because you're bringing maybe one person on every once in a while. You know, maybe if, if you're lucky when you're really small, you might be lucky to bring on one or two people per year. Mm -hmm. So what we find though, is when we're going into, you know, like our average client who's now at this place where they are hiring a one to two people per month or, right. you know, you know, three to four people per quarter. Um, and there are so many moving pieces. A lot of times it's, they're still operating from that like organic, let's bring them in and get them started. And it just simply can't work like that anymore because there are so, there are now so many layers to the, you know, leadership. And so you need that message to trickle down and everyone has a totally different way of interpreting the message. Yeah. If it's not super in front of your face and like drilled into you, you know? So, um, you know, I, I don't think I've come across anyone. I'm like really scanning my brain who has said, we don't want an onboarding experience, but I've come across several that haven't gotten there yet because you know, and that's one of the things with small business, you just kind of, it, it kind of builds around you. It's like this organic thing that's as soon as you like blink, because when you were trying to build it, it just wouldn't happen fast enough. You know, mm -hmm. like when you're at that place where you're in a micro business, all you want is like to build it. Well, once you get to that level, it's building itself because there are now people that are helping with that mission. And all of a sudden you've got something bigger than you. And you know, so then it's kind of just becomes like this organic thing that just happens. Right. It's usually very disorganized. People are yes. usually getting thrown in. They don't have, like, they're not being given information. They are, they don't even know who's who or who to ask questions to, or 
how to, how, where do they even, where do they sit? How do they figure out where the paper clips are? You know, I know that sounds yeah. crazy, but the, all of these things matter. You know, when you add all this stuff up, it matters. And onboarding is so important because talent acquisition and getting talent to believe in your company enough where they want to work for you is one of the most important things that a leadership team can do. So when you get that talent and they're on board with you and they are coming in and you give them this like very bad first impression with a very poor or non-existent onboarding, that says something. So our goal is to build a, a, just an amazing experience that's not all show, right? Because when one thing that you said that feel like it's so important that sometimes when someone has this like amazing onboarding, it needs to be functional and it needs to be technical. People have to be learning something. Right. They can't just be there to be like an observer of a show. They need to actually be starting to get ingrained and start learning and start acclimating and going through kind of this process where it's like they're building, you know, like you don't want to push them into the deep end, but you also don't want a full two weeks to go by where they really haven't done anything. So it needs to be this like perfect combination of technical, functional, and just like amazing culture display. So having materials for them, having swag for them that's got your brand on it, making them feel like you have prepared for them, you're excited for them to be there. Like all of those things really matter. And that's the first introduction to your company and is going to tell them like, do I believe in this? Am I on board with this? Do I understand? Do I feel confident in the new decision I've just made? Because a lot of times people are coming somewhere for they've left somewhere else that they are probably very comfortable. Right. And we all know change is very, very unsettling for a lot of people. So they're already sort of second guessing themselves just from like a psychological standpoint, like, did I make the right decision? So you want them to come in and just know right away and onboarding is the only way you're going to be able to do that. Let's give some, a little bit of practicality now. If we have a CEO watching right now, a business owner, and they're sitting here, they've listened the last 30 minutes and they're like, ah, oh, I really, I don't really know what my company culture is. I don't, I've never really thought about it. I don't know kind of how I'm doing as a leader. Um, you know, I think my employees are fantastic. You know, there's definitely room for improvement, but I'm not really sure. So what are, what are maybe like two or three things that the owner or the CEO can do right now on their own, let's say, um, to really start getting that deeper insight into the employee culture, the employee experience that they have in their brand and the actual one, not the one that they think is yeah. present, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of challenging. I, I definitely recommend using, um, if, if you're really, really serious about it, especially like if you feel like there might be a problem or if you're going through a culture identity crisis, because that happens. So, right. you know, if someone who is really important to the company leaves, for example, um, your, your team might be going through an identity crisis with their culture. They might be questioning, should they leave? You know, it, so... So those things happen. I, I would really recommend bringing in a third party to, to talk to your people because they're going to like, they, most of the time in, in small business to mid-sized business, they have a relationship with that, that CEO or that leader. They're grateful to them for the employment opportunity and they like what they're doing and they believe in their vision. They don't want to share real feedback sometimes 
because they don't want to come across as, as, you know, hurtful for lack of a better word. Yeah. 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 So, so a third party can really help with that to extract that real information. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if that's not an option, it's not an option for everybody. So if that's not an option, one of the things that I always want to remind the CEOs, the owners, leaders, whatever, at, at any level is, um, like if there's something that you really, really feel like you want to understand or know or change or, you know, shift, look at what your demeanor, your behavior, your actions are when you're in front of your people. Because culture is a lot of times, especially in small companies, a lot of it is influenced by the behaviors and actions of the person who's leading the church. So if you're a leader that's coming in every day afraid and making fear-based decisions and saying no to everything and high anxiety, that's what your culture is going to reflect. And your people are going to feel that and they're going to reflect it and they're going to feel like they're on eggshells and that's how your culture is going to seem. If you are, uh, if you come in and some days you're really happy, but then other days you blow up and you're mad and you show your emotion that way and and it's really hard to know what to expect, your culture is going to reflect that. So thinking about what you want it to feel like for people and how you want it to be, and then recognize that you are always on, you are always performing, someone is always watching. And so I, again, that kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the level of transparency. Like as a CEO or as a leader, owner, your job is not to just like take all of that emotion and stuff it, you know, but you need to have like one trusted person or a mentor or a coach or an advisor, maybe even someone outside of your company that gets all of that because then they can actually help you to figure out how to unpack it a little bit. Your employees are not going to be able to serve in that position. So when you come in and you're sharing all of these things with them that they don't have control or influence over, that's going to impact the culture. So I would recommend just like being very, very aware of how you're presenting with that culture. Also, the other piece of it is um, knowing what you want and then being consistent. Mm -hmm. There is nothing worse than saying, I'm going to do this. We're going to do this recognition and I'm going to do it every time we have a meeting. And then you do it once or twice and then it goes away. Or you, you say, I'm going to, you know, provide um, an event for our employees because it really matters to me that we have team building and then it never gets planned. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, like do what you say you're going to do and then remain consistent with it. Don't let, don't let it fizzle out because that will, that will also um, contribute. Yeah. And it goes to your credibility as right as well. Right. Like in, uh, I, I experienced that on, in a positive way, I rolled out a a five to 10 minute leadership meeting before at Cirque du Soleil, before we opened our doors to the public every night. And I, I think I missed one because I wasn't there. Um, but every single night I did that, this meeting five to 10 minutes, and it was called the 640 because it was at 640. So Nobody had any excuses of, 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 oh, I didn't know what time it was. The meeting is called the 640 for that reason. But 
I saw the benefits of that consistency very, very, very quickly. I mean, I did this, we were in, this was in Vancouver, Canada. We were there for three months, um, which is quite long for, for a Cirque du Soleil. Usually it's six to eight weeks. And I saw the benefits of that immediately, like within the first two weeks. And I made a point, it was one of my biggest goals of that city is to do that every single night. Uh, you know, no matter what was happening. And, and for the most part we did, and, and the results were really massive. So I think consistency A is important just in terms of that, from a behavioral point of view, that, that habit building in terms of the experience, but then also you as a leader, like you were saying, building that cred credibility and awareness around, around your vision and what you're trying to achieve. Uh, I'd just like to finish with, uh, you, you, you did touch on earlier, but the program that you are launching right now, can you share with us again, what, what is it, who's it for, and then how people can apply, how can they, how can they get in touch with you if they're interested to be a part of it? Great, thanks, yeah. So um, I just can't even tell you how excited we are. It's called Rev, Rev by Reverie. Mm -hmm. um, it's on our website, which is findreverie.com. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for what this is going to look like. Obviously, this is our, um, going to be our first ever session and it's, it's a quarter, it's a quarter long and we, um, we're going to meet weekly. It's all virtual. Um, it's for the micro to small, small business owner. So, um, Anyone that's, you know, a solopreneur or has a small, small team who, um, you know, I would also say they need to be of the growth mindset. A lot of, a lot of micro businesses intend to exist just to remain as a micro business. I think it could be helpful for them as well, just to be able to have that level of, of organization, but everything that we're going to be doing is meant to build scalability within your business to help you grow from the very beginning to put those good habits in as you are starting out so that way as you keep going you're already putting some of those really great you know foundational pieces in to make your growth happen faster and a little smoother um we're gonna cover topics like you know um accounting expenses how do i plan for expenses what should what should they look like you know a lot of times people know they need to spend some money but they don't know how much they should be spending so putting together um you know that budget it might be hr type things it might be you know a, a good intro to onboard so that you can start thinking about what your onboarding could look like um it might be uh, digital media how to start using some of the platforms to really get your brand out there. So our goal is to look at the, the whole business. So from, um, you know, accounting, um, marketing, public relations, project management, the executive level, strategic planning. So Leadership, we wanna cover, yeah. yeah, we wanna cover our bases all the way through um, so that people have exposure and have good takeaways. Every meeting that we have, someone is going to have something that is applicable to their business that they've worked on that they can take and apply right then and there. And if somebody, if somebody is listening to this and they were like, oh my gosh, who is this Lindsay? I want to connect with her. What's the best way for them to connect with you? How can they, where can they find you? So I'm, I'm everywhere, but <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram. Yeah. And, um, you know, if somebody wanted to put comments in the section of, 
um, your video or anything like mm -hmm. that. I know if I don't see it, I trust you will. I and will you'll yeah. share it with me. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to talk with anyone. I truly believe in the connection with people and the community. Um, so regardless of what that looks like or what that ends up as, you know, um, I am always interested in helping anyone I possibly can. Well, Lindsay, this has been incredible. Uh, you and I both love to talk about employee experience and leadership in organizations, uh, but um, we're gonna wrap it up there. I just wanna once again, thank you so much for being part of the premiere month. It is an honor to have you on. And I really wanna take my hat off to you and thank you so much for being an incredible experience creator. Thank you so much for having me. I'm probably one of your biggest fans. So oh, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. And to everyone watching, thank you. We hope that you have enjoyed this video and we will see you on the next episode. Bye.